Welcome into Locked On Blackhawks for Tuesday, February 11th, 2020. This is Jay Zawoski. It's Talk Back Tuesday. Thanks for joining me here on Locked On Blackhawks. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Apologies up front for no show on Monday. I felt absolutely horrible on Sunday, called off work uh, on Monday, and just needed a day to sort of regroup and get my body and mind back to where it needed to be. Feeling much better now, so thank you for the patience. Thank you for the well wishes. We've got a lot of good stuff to get to on this here Locked on Blackhawks podcast. First, want to tell you how to get in touch with the podcast, like many people did today for Talk Back Tuesday. Voicemail, 708-653-0572. The email is LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks. You can follow my personal account at jayzawaski 670 And, of course, the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. New episode dropped on Monday afternoon, hosted by just me. <laughs> so it's like a long Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, but it's different. I say you did some different stuff, more Jets reaction than we'll get in this episode here. My partner, James Naveau, is also sick. He's got the flu, so he's out. So it was just me on Ma- on the Madhouse podcast, so check that one out too. So busy week, lots going on. Uh, before we get into the questions, a couple things wanted to get to here. Uh, I do want to spend a second or two on the Blackhawks loss to the Winnipeg Jets. And after the Bruins loss Thursday morning, you heard me very much blame the referees. And I think I was justified in doing so. And there's part of me that feels like I could jump on and blame the referees for what happened Sunday. There were a lot of ticky-tack calls. There were a lot of uh, weird things that the Hawks got called for that the Jets didn't. Uh, I think the two third-period penalties on Jonathan Taves were pretty brutal. The one were the one was a trip, and his stick just... The guy sort of slew-footed himself, oddly, and just fell on Taves' stick. Then the interference on Blake Wheeler was a phantom call. Uh, brutal. Brutal call on both of those, but... I said this on the Madhouse podcast. I'm going to say it here before we get to your questions. Why doesn't Jonathan Taves get the benefit of the calls? A lot of guys that that have accomplished what he has accomplished in their careers have in the past. Steve Eiserman, Mark Messier, guys like that have gotten later in their careers the benefit of every call. Why doesn't Jonathan Taves get that? I think he should get it, and I've been busting my brain is that a term probably not but I've been busting my brain trying to figure out what would be the reasoning that Jonathan Taze would not get those calls the benefit of the doubt sort of calls that a lot of veteran guys get especially guys who have won a lot of championships and all I can think of is that over the last year or two maybe three Jonathan Taves has been a visible on ice complainer You've seen him go palms up time and time again when he gets thrown out of the faceoff dot. You've seen him, you saw it Sunday against the Jets, him slamming his stick and telling the referee to F you very clearly. And then you've got to be effing kidding me after the Wheeler interference. I get it. You're mad, you're frustrated, but abuse of an official, and look, abuse is a strong word, but that's what they would call it if they were giving him a penalty. That's not going to get you the benefit of the doubt. And we saw a lot of the Blackhawks veteran players on Sunday lose their cool. It wasn't just Taves. 
Corey Crawford lost his cool. I wouldn't say Duncan Keith lost his cool, but you saw him getting frustrated with the referees as well. These veteran guys need to lead by example, and no amount of complaining is going to reverse the call. Never in the history of the game has a referee said, you know what, that's a good point. You're right. We're going to go ahead and, re and reverse that call. Nope, doesn't work that way. That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works, as they say in the commercial that I always quote but can't remember the product it was for. So, you know, hopefully um, a little bit of a wake-up call after that Jets game. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of happy with how they played. It was a fine game that came out ready to go, which is what we were asking for, right? Got up to a 2 nothing lead. Winnipeg had a nice burst there in the second period. They scored that shorthanded goal and had a big burst of momentum. But as the game went on, both the goals the Jets scored were kind of strange. The Wheeler goal was a great shot, just a perfect shot as he blew down the wing. Then Cop gets alone in front and roofs a shot right in front of Crawford moments after he was bumped. And then two empty net goals, and that's the difference. And here we are, right? Another day closer to the trade deadline, sort of looking at how we're going to evaluate things here. And I don't know. It just these points that keep getting away, it's really tough. It's really tough to overcome those missed opportunities. It's 10 o'clock p.m. right now, looking at the scoreboard from Monday night. Vancouver's up 3-0 on Nashville. Calgary's up 3-0 on San Jose. Arizona won. So three teams you're keeping an eye on, you're sort of chasing. They're picking up points tonight, it sure seems. So, look, they've got a huge opportunity coming up here against Edmonton, against Vancouver, against Calgary, and against Winnipeg. They've got to take six of those points for me to believe they've still got a shot at a playoff spot and that they should consider standing pat and not overly selling the team. This spring, follow your favorite baseball teams to Arizona for Cactus League spring training, amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventure, incredible food. Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans. 10 stadiums, 15 MLB teams, 75 degree temperatures. I'm going out there the first week of March. I cannot freaking wait. I'm going to enjoy some live music from local and national artists. I'm definitely doing that. It's known for its incredible landscapes and throwing outdoor adventures, hiking, biking, Jeep tours, hot air balloons, skydiving, jet skiing, or just taking in a sunset. No matter what you love to do, Arizona has you covered. Arizona has tons of stuff for kids to do and see, like wildlife parks, science museums, aquariums, and dude ranches. Plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash springtraining. That's visit arizona.com slash spring training. If you're a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans, but you may not know that Locked On Blackhawks is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Hawks fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners, not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Hawks fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. 
Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcasts.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve locked on advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcasts.com slash advertising. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, it is Talk Back Tuesday. Enough yapping from me. Let's get right to it. And the first question of Talk Back Tuesday is a question I've gotten a lot this week. And because I'm not on a score product, 670 the score, where I work my uh, career, it's my main job, a lot of people have asked me this, including my good friend, adult haircut Dave. He says, why does ESPN 1000 have a weekly Blackhawks show and 670 the score doesn't? It's a really good question, Dave, and this is something that I have been trying to communicate to the people in charge around town, and not just the score, but other outlets that still believe that hockey is not on the radar of most people. And when we talk about radio and we talk about uh, demographics, the prize demographics are men 25 to 54. For sports radio, men 25 to 54 is the key demographic. It's the main one we focus on. If you listen to a sports radio station, you will hear ads appealing to those sorts of men. Cars, uh, ED medications, hair loss treatments, weight loss things, um, Menards, Home Depot, the, the sort of things that appeal to men of that age. That's what you're going to hear on the station. So this being the 10 year anniversary of the Blackhawks 2010 Stanley cup, I'm trying to explain to my bosses that the kids who were 12, 13, 14 years old, when the Hawks won their first Stanley cup are now 22, 23, 24 year years old, right at the young end of the demographic that we're trying to reach. And a lot of those people, a lot of those young men, grew up, and women, but we're talking about demographics and radio, a lot of those children then grew up with the Blackhawks as their number one team. Because for the last 10 years, the Bears have been pretty consistently bad, save for a few blips on a radar. The White Sox haven't made the playoffs at all. The Cubs got good towards the back end of the decade after the Hawks had won three Stanley Cups. The Bulls have been trashed for 25 years. So a lot of these fans that were at a very formative age as a sports fan in the early 2010s are now becoming adults with money and careers. And they love the Blackhawks. They grew up on the Blackhawks. The Hawks are their number one team. The radio in general has to stop worrying about men in their 50s and 40s and start catering to men's, men in their 20s and 30s. And I am a man in his 40s. I'm 42 years old. So I'm at the back end-ish of the demo. If we want sports radio to be something that's around for the next 25 years, we need young ears to start listening. And now with, look, if you want to hear Blackhawks talk, guess what? I can tell you about two really good Hawks podcasts, Right? You can find it anywhere you want. We've got to start giving people what they want and stop assuming that all anyone cares about is the Bears, Cubs, Sox, and Bulls. 
because it's not true. There are true hockey fans in Chicago. The success of this podcast and the Madhouse podcast and a bunch of other podcasts proves that. Radio stations need to work, wake up and realize, and look, I know, yes, it'd be beneficial for me to host a once-a-week hockey show. I get that, but guess what? I host seven hockey shows a week. I have plenty to say. I get it out there for people that want to hear it, but the fact that hockey is still pretty much outright ignored on 670 The Score to me is is really, really annoying, and uh, it, it needs to change. It needs to change, and whatever. I'm basically powerless, so what I'm going to do, except just kind of tell you what I think. Got a question here from PD on Twitter. Why do the Blackhawks say their games are on ESPN Plus when all of those games are blacked out no matter where they play? Good question. I've gotten this one a couple times too. ESPN Plus works like any sort of, um, I don't know, like NHL.TV or MLB.com. The local team's games will always be blacked out. It doesn't matter where that team is playing, but if it's a Chicago team, if it's MLB.TV, if the Cubs are in Colorado, the Cubs are still being blacked out locally. That's what the local broadcasters arrange with those platforms to say, look, if our game's on locally, we don't want it on your thing. We want people coming to us to the local station to watch the broadcast. That's why. So whatever range they determine, and I think it's different for every team or every league, rather, the range in miles from what the blackout zone is, if it's blacked out on NHL.TV, it's going to be blacked out on ESPN+, Plus, et cetera, et cetera. Hawks games are available on YouTube TV and Hulu and all those streaming services. But as far as blackouts go, any sort of national streaming service, they're going to be blacked out on there because of the local broadcasts. That's the reason behind all that. Hey, Jay, what's up? It's Jack. Listen, man, uh, you know, we always talk about how Jonathan Taves uh, is, is got a little bit of a LeBron James in him. Uh, he has a lot of the kind of prima donna, you know, I've won three titles. I've won all these awards. I've never lost. And he, he gets really, really upset and he loses his temper and kind of acts really childish a lot of times. But tonight and the last couple of games, the Chicago Blackhawks have every reason in the world to complain about the referees because both the penalties on Taves were total BS and then the other penalties were were also be. I, I'm so, I'm so frustrated right now. This this is they played they played a really good game, and the the, the Jets they, they they converted on the power plays, man. But that interference call was terrible on Taves, and that hooking call was awful. I'm not justifying his behavior when he, when he complains like he does and kind of like you know you got to keep your head in the game. I mean I don't I I, I don't have experience from that perspective. Neither do you. There's a lot of sports fans. But at the same time, man, they really had a point. This is really unfortunate. It's two to one the entire match. And then, you know, a couple penalties here and there. And yeah, the Jets are a better team. They have a high flying offense. But the Blackhawks have a, have a, have a, a, a decent offense too. This is unacceptable. And, uh, you know, it's just going to be another game that, that they lost. But the referees in the past few games against the Blackhawks, it's been absolutely awful. Want to hear your thoughts. Have a good night. Jack, thanks so much for the voicemail. There's a lot to chew on there. Uh, Jack is a guy who used to work for me at 670 The Score as an intern. One of the guys I remember the most, I remember him very fondly. He is a passionate Blackhawks fan. And I see his frustration, and he's right. 
Taves does have to stop complaining, but yes, the refs have to get the call right. It's it's a really aggravating sort of middle ground to be in where, yes, you want to be pissed that the refs are not doing their job, but at the same time, you don't want to see the guys who are praised and beloved for being these great leaders act the way Jonathan Taves has been acting lately. And I get it. He's at his wit's end. I understand it. I've got a, I always say I have a very long wick, but at the end of that wick is a huge bomb, right? I am very calm. I'm a very even keel kind of a guy, but if I get mad enough or pushed far enough, it gets ugly for a short amount of time that I get back to normal. So I get it. I understand Jonathan Taves' frustration. Jack, I understand your frustration, but the captain has to do a better job at keeping his cool on the ice and keeping his team in the best possible situation. And hopefully, if he can start doing that and start calming down a little bit on the ice, maybe the refs will start to give him those benefit of the doubt calls that he hasn't been getting this season. Talkback Tuesday here on Lockdown Blackhawks rolls on. We've got a lot to get to in a short amount of time, so we're going to get right to it. Drew asked me on Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks. With the Panthers asking Mike Hoffman to submit his 10-team trade list, would you consider him as a buy if you can get him for Secura, Gilbert, Highmore, and say a fifth-round pick, not giving up a lot there? Drew, there's the rub. The Florida Panthers are not going to take five pieces of garbage and a bad draft pick just because it's a lot of players. You've got to give them something of value to get their players back. However, I will say this, and I said it on Monday's, Madhouse podcast too. The idea of the Blackhawks selling, or I'm sorry, the idea of the Blackhawks buying is it's not going to happen. They're not going to give up assets to acquire a veteran player who they think is going to put them over the top to make the playoffs this year. Okay. They're almost 100% not going to acquire a player signed beyond this season. Here's the little asterisk I'll put there and I never say that word right so don't yell at me there could be a scenario where the Hawks look at a player and I'm just going to use this name as an example I don't have any inside info that this is the truth but I'm just for an example let's say the Hawks are not are no longer in love with Dylan Secura this is a guy who they used to think would be a top six forward maybe a top nine forward score 15 to 20 goals be a consistent guy they can use in a lot of situations kind of like another versatile Drake Kajula sort of a type guy, right? And let's let's imagine the Hawks to themselves have thought, you know what? I'm I don't we don't think he's gonna develop into this anymore. Maybe we should move him while he still has some value around the league. Maybe some other teams think that Dylan Secura might be a 20 goal scorer. Maybe they try to do something like that and trade him to a team like I used an example earlier, Mike Green of the Detroit Red Wings. Detroit can be looking for some young scoring talent and Dylan Secura. They're not going to make the playoffs. Maybe, just maybe, Mike Green wants to go play in a playoff situation. And the Hawks can trade for him to maybe fill the gap of a traded Eric Gustafson. That on paper would probably look like a buy or feel like a buy. But if you see something like that, it could indicate that the Hawks have maybe given up on one of their lower prospects and just wanted to bring in someone who could help maybe get them over the top for this year. It's not a buy in the traditional definition of we're going out pursuing someone to make us better right now, and we're going to have to swallow hard to give up this asset. 
if there's something that is a veteran player coming back for a prospect, that to me is almost guaranteed the scenario. They're sort of moving on from a kid that they've sort of fallen out of love with and seeing if they can bring in a little bit of veteran help on an expiring deal to help them get into and maybe survive in the playoffs a little bit. Hey, Jay, it's uh, JT from Crystal Lake. And when the question comes up of why Robin Leonard has moved around from team to team, uh, a lot of people are quick to bring up his struggles with his mental health. But uh, I think something that gets overlooked is perhaps the fact that he is now considered the most honest soundbite in Chicago. He's a really honest guy with a really big personality and perhaps that might not fit so well with every team or in every market. Um, that seems to kind of be a knock on PK Subban too. And I was wondering if you thought those two situations were similar uh, or if uh, that is uh, a possible reason why he didn't quite stick with uh, the Sabres or the Islanders. Uh, thanks for all you're doing and go Hawks. JT, thank you for the email. Appreciate that. Uh, interesting thought there. And um, I, I mean, that could be part of it. Remember, Robin Leonard didn't and you're never recovered from alcoholism and substance abuse. It's something you deal with your whole life. So I don't want to say recovered, but he got it together last year in New York. Um, that's when Robin Leonard got clean and has stayed clean since. And I think that's part of the reason that before then he had moved around so much. He was out of sort of not in complete control of himself teams knew that they didn't want to invest too much money in him the outspoken nature of Leonard could factor in it a little bit but and before I'm accused of being a social justice warrior if you don't want to hear the realities of uh, racial discrimination in America and in Canada just feel free to hit the fast forward button about 30 seconds and just pretend it never happened the other element is that PK Subban is a black player in a traditionally white league and while he's pretty much universally accepted I still think there's a bit of a unintentional bias against him sometimes where people are maybe looking for him to be different and act different and I think the the fact that PK Subban does do those things um, I think that's what makes people like him it's what makes me love him it's why I think he should be kind of the face of the NHL sometimes He's a great guy, electric personality, and yeah, I think the chatter rubs people wrong sometimes, and I do think there can be a bit of an unconscious bias based on how P.K. Subban looks. I, I hope that's not the case, but I know um, that for at least a handful of people, that definitely plays a role. So it's sad. It is what it is, uh, but look, the league is is doing things to make it better. Um, they're being in, as inclusive as they can be. Um but it's a long way. It doesn't happen overnight, uh, and it's happening, you know, uh, pretty slowly. And it's sort of taking a step back here lately, uh, just sort of around the nation. But hopefully, the game keeps moving forward as it should. And, and someday, guys like PK Subban will just be considered a hockey player and nothing more. Uh, here's a note from Ted on Twitter, who is experimenting with cap friendly, trying to figure out how the Hawks are going to fit under the cap next year and ring back Robin Leonard. Here's what he said his moves are this offseason. I thought this was a good exercise. He says, assuming a $3 million salary cap increase, 
losing Crawford and Gustafson, trading Olimata and Zach Smith. You sign Leonard for $7 million, Strom for $6 million, Kubelik for $3 million, and Kajula for $2 million. And there's $1 million or so needed for bonuses uh, obtained this year. That could work. It seems realistic. The problem is you've got to find a taker for Olimata and Zach Smith. Easier said than done. They might be better off just buying out Olimata because it's just about $800,000, maybe a little bit more if they want to do that. So that is definitely an option. Um, you're giving Strom six, which I think is realistic. Leonard seven. Eh, he might make a little more than that. If he continues to play this year like he's played all year, especially like if the Hawks get into the playoffs and he's the starter and he's playing great for a series or two, that number is going to keep going up. But Kubalik at three, yeah. Kajula two. I might I might be willing to trade Drake Kajula in the offseason and bring a kid up and just see what you got. I like Kajula a lot, but with the concussion history and everything, it's going to be tough to, I don't know. I don't know. I Look, if that's what happens, I'm happy. It just assumes a lot with Leonard's contract. But I like where your head's at. I like the exercise very much. All right, final question of Talkback Tuesday comes from Kyle in Greensboro, North Carolina. He says, am I the only person who cringes every time the debrinket camp strom line hits the ice? Even with all of the issues on our defense, our third line is the most glaring problem five-on-five five for me. That line is constructed, has no identity defensively or offensively, and they just look uninspired. Kampf is a useful fourth-line center or maybe a third-line winger, but not an effective two-way center at third. Strom does not appear to be strong enough at the dot to be a real third-line center either, and with the emergence of Doc, I'm struggling to see what Strom's role is moving forward. It's not third-line center. How do we fix the third-line center without messing with the top two lines? Would Strom be a good piece in a in a trade? Maybe to sweeten a Seabrook deal. Ooh, that's an interesting angle, Kyle. Um, I really like Dylan Strom. I know that he's sort of working his way back from injury. He's been banged up a lot this season. So I'm taking his performances kind of with a grain of salt a little bit. But I just, I'm not a David Camp fan. How many times in that Jets game do we watch him get blown past by a Jets center or winger? We see Camp like just sort of flailing a stick, hoping something will happen. They want him to be the new Marcus Kruger. It's not happening. It's not happening. I'm sorry. If you want to make him your fourth line center, fine. But I just, I think he's a dime a dozen guy. I think you can find guys that do more with the skill set than what David Camp does. I'm just not a fan. And I think for DeBrinkett and Strom. It's like, that's a big anchor for those two. You know, I, I don't know. But I, I see what you're saying. Like, early this year, I felt like paying Strom $6 bucks was a no-brainer. But as the year's gone on, I've kind of been like, well, $6 bucks can be spent elsewhere. And you mentioned Kirby Doc. That's your number two center, right? That's the guy. And while the point production hasn't been there like crazy for Doc, it's gotten better lately. You waste, wasted, wasted is the wrong word. You used the third round, the number three overall pick on Kirby Doc. You didn't do that for him to be a third line center. That is quite a thought to use Dylan Strom as a sweetener 
to get rid of Brent Seabrook's deal. Now, the other part of that is whatever team that is, is taking on whatever Strom's going to need to sign for. So let's say five and a half or six. And Brent Seabrook's $6.8 million cap hit. Now, chances are Seabrook will not play for that team and they'll bury it on injured reserve, whatever. But that's $12.8 million you're taking on. Maybe the Hawks take an expiring deal back to ease some cap problems for the trade partner. But look at what it's taken the Hawks in the past to rid themselves of these problematic contracts. It was Vinny Henestroza with the Marion Hosa deal. It was Tavo Taravainen with the Brian Bickle deal. Who is it going to be with the Brent Seabrook deal? I cringe thinking of that answer. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, sorry again for the day off on Monday, but I just felt like crap. The podcast would have sucked more than usual, which is saying something. So I didn't want to put you through that. So thanks for tuning in. We've got a big game tonight in Edmonton, a big game tomorrow in Vancouver. So we'll have post-game coverage on Wednesday and Thursday. It's going to be a fun and exciting week. Hopefully the Hawks can take four points out of these two games and stop giving the opposition points. Thanks for listening to Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.